Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. Hello, everyone. Oh my goodness, it has been a hot minute since Courtney and I have come onto the podcast due to traveling and all sorts of things, but we are back today with another episode for you, and we are so excited to be back. Courtney, how are you today? Good. I feel like we've had like a whole month off. Honestly, it feels like so long. So if you guys are still around and listening, we really appreciate you for coming back after our little hiatus. In this time that we have been gone, Courtney, she got braces. Mm. I'm starting my first round of Clomid on Saturday. This is also wild, big steps in our life, moving and grooving along. Lots of big things. Lots of big little things happening. Big little things. Small steps, what we like to see. I just got my, you know, friend, my monthly friend today. So I'm like, ugh, in so much pain over here. But took my medicine, trying to get myself out of it. Heating pads and rest are your friend. Yep. And chocolate. Don't do anything else. And you know, crying to let my emotions out. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good one. Just like, I don't know why I'm crying. <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I know why I'm crying, but why? I I don't track my cycle like you do. I just like to let it be. As long as I get my period every month, I'm fine. Because it, I'm obviously not trying to have a baby. Mm-hmm. So I don't know when it's coming. So like the way that I realized that I'm going to like get my actual period soon is I have some type of emotional breakdown. <laughs> and Trevor will usually be like, are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm not. And yeah. then I'm like, wait, I'm probably going to get my period. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, I can usually tell because I tend to bleed with the full moon and we actually have a full moon tomorrow and I usually ovulate around the new moon. So we have a full moon in Pisces tomorrow and it is an intense one, let me tell you. So that should be fun. If I feel up to if I feel up to it, maybe I'll get an episode out, but I don't think I'm going to be able to get it now that I think about it. You have to tell me what that means. Yeah, so the full moon in Pisces is conjunct Saturn, and Saturn is also going to be opposite the sun in Virgo. So there's some area of your life that might be, you know, getting a little bit of light illuminated onto it, where you're releasing something, and it depends on where Pisces falls in your chart. So for you, Courtney, Pisces is actually home and family life and emotions. So you could... Maybe. I started therapy yesterday, yeah. so maybe I'll already make some breakthroughs in therapy. Yeah, releasing some emotions. And then also you may feel tensions when it comes to like work-life balance right now. Yeah, I just feel like I work and then I'm tired. Yeah, So, so I'm very to like- excited to go on vacation. Oh my God, yes. I'm so excited to be in the mountains. Going to Montana, that is amazing. Yeah, that's going to be so recharging for you I think yeah we're gonna go to Yellowstone I think we're gonna try to make an effort to go to the what is it the Teton National Park too which is like on the other side it's like pretty far and I think into Wyoming but it's on like the other side of Yellowstone if you drive through it Mm -hmm. and then Idaho 
is right there too. Like you can drive around Yellowstone and through. Um, so like we're at the top of Yellowstone, like on the top. Are you guys driving to Montana? No, we are flying. Uh, I was like, uh, Trevor tried to convince me to drive, and I said no. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, we if we took off, we have to take off like three weeks because of the how long it would take to get there. How long does it take to get to Montana? I don't know, like a day or two, and um, I'm not sitting in the car that whole time. I just drove to Florida with my cousin from Massachusetts. How far is that drive? It was a 20-hour drive. One-hour drive. Four more hours, and you could have been here. I know. We stopped, though. So we drove, like, 10 hours, stopped overnight, and then drove another, like, 11 hours. It wasn't terrible until that towards the end when we hit some traffic but I'm supposed to be doing that ride again with my mom at the end of October to move my brother home so I mean like we drove when I graduated high school we drove to Virginia and that was seven and a half hours and I mean it can be fun like Trevor and I I'm drinking coffee, but Trevor and I, we, when we drive like the 14 hours to Colorado, when we go, we do like, he does it in a straight shot because he's nuts. And now that I'm a night nurse, I can stay up most, I can pretty much stay up the whole drive with him, but we try to make it fun. Like we'll make like a role playlist and we talk about stuff and then we'll sing and then sometimes I doze off. <laughs> I'll make like snacks and sandwiches. And then of course we stop at gas stations to kind of like wake us up and whatever. But I think the first few times we did it, it was hard for him. But then like the more we did it, he was just like, okay, fine. Yeah. You get used to it after you do it a couple of times. Is it still light out where you are? Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Yep. Very light out. Pitch black here. Oh, well. That will be nice for you when you come here in, what, like two and a half weeks? I cannot wait. Hello. I think the sunrise right now, we've been watching the sunrises. They're at like 7, 10 in the morning. Wow. And you can see them from my patio. So if we either stay up late or we like for some reason pass out and get up really early, my sleep schedule is all messed up. So I'm sorry when you get here. But if we go out there, you can literally see the sunrise and it's it's very quick, but it's really pretty because the sun's always like blood orange. So. Oh, yeah. I've been falling asleep around two, which is earlier than normal for me because of my trip to Florida. My cousin, she usually got up around like eight or nine. So I was getting up around eight or nine, which she was an hour behind. So technically that was like 10 and nine my time. But anyways, you guys, today we are talking about things that we wish we knew when we were younger. So what we would tell our younger selves. You know what I realized is when we came up with this idea, I was thinking about the concept that I could have honestly probably also broken it down into categories like me in my 20s, me in my teenage years, and me as a kid. But I didn't do it because I'm bad and you can smack me through Zoom. I didn't (laughs) smack me. But I didn't do it. But now hopefully some of these things will like come up. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I mean, I wrote down a ton. So I figured we can just go back and forth until like we get over the time limit here where it's like too long. So I guess I'll start it off by giving like the first point here. One thing that I would tell my younger self is that it is okay to take the road less traveled. That's a good one. Yeah, because... Very applicable to your story as well, like your entire life story. 
Exactly. You very much did things differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because for, and this is why I would tell myself, so I don't believe in regrets because I definitely think that everything that we go through teaches us things and leads us to one, like to other parts of our lives and it's like acts like a stepping stone. But I definitely pursued college because that's what everybody was doing. And that's what I was told was going to be what was going to make me successful in life. And so I did the whole college thing, but then, you know, one year into it, I was like, this is not for me. And then that's terrible. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. That's when I I remember conversations and you were like, why the F do I have to take classes that have absolutely nothing with me teaching elementary school? That doesn't help me. And I was like, get it either probably a way to make money exactly and that's what it is for me I would totally do college if I only had to take classes that were related to what it is I want to do in life I'm not gonna be like if I want to be an elementary school teacher why do I have to take chemistry yeah so you think like your like perspective if I'm I'm just clarifying is like because if you go to like a four-year school what they do and it's so annoying it's like the first two-ish years you take like your prerequisite classes for your major and they're all these classes that basically have nothing to do with whatever your actual major is you feel like that should either be extremely shortened or taken away completely because it's a use a waste of time yes exactly not I'm much every, it's a waste of money it waste is and not to mention half the classes, half the classes that you're taking for this, like, you know, pre-recs or whatever, you already just took in high school. So it's like, yeah. why it's like do I have English to repeat one? It's like, I just took 12 years of English. Exactly. <laughs> it makes no sense to me other than let's take your money. And it's BS. And yeah, I'm sorry, but I can see through all of the corporate scams, Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, colleges are like a known like people. Okay, so like, it's not a secret. Like I want to go to CRNA school. So everyone is like freaking out. They're like, it's gonna be like all my friends who also want to go. They're like, it's gonna be it's so competitive. It's hard to get in. I'm like, there's a school somewhere that will take your check, honey. Okay, so it's not that you're not going to get in anywhere. You just if you're not a strong candidate, you just got to find the school that wants your freaking money. Mm. It's true. I'm like, it's really what it comes down to. Yeah, it's a business. They want your money. So mm. you just got to yeah. find those schools that will, that cares more about your money if you're not a strong candidate than like, you know, what you actually bring to the t- table, which is a different story. <laughs> exactly. And so all this to say that if there's something that you want to do in life or choices that you want to make that seems abnormal to most people, that doesn't mean that it's abnormal. It just means that you're choosing a path that maybe not many take and that's okay and it can still work out for you. Agreed. And you don't have to feel ashamed for choosing that path either because for a long time I would shame myself like I would feel like I wasn't smart enough or that I wasn't qualified enough for certain things and that because I didn't have a college degree that made me you know, I don't know. It kind of leads into like what I was going to say was my first like advice for my younger self, which would be the you too, I guess, which was people's opinions are like a fart. They're stinky and no one really likes them. And um, don't let other people's opinions of who they think you are become your idea uh, or internal dialogue of who you are. So like, at for instance, like at that time, people were telling you, 
you're not going to make any money. You won't be able to sustain yourself. How are you, what are you going to do for a business? Like, I remember your close family even being like, you have to go to college. Like that fear-based mentality around like not having a job if you don't go to school. And I feel like that also kind of led to that internal dialogue of like feeling insufficient and inadequate and guilty about making the decision that you knew was ultimately right for you because they were putting their opinions and fears onto you. And then it was like becoming their internal dialogue because that's that's happened to me too. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I think the the biggest, I guess, I guess the people who weren't the most supportive, I think to me that had a big role was my guidance counselor, to be honest. And my guidance counselor really was pushing me. She even told me not to go to like a, um, what's it called? A community college because it would be looked down upon compared to like a state college or a private college. I had people at that same like time because we're like a couple of years apart who were telling me the same thing. And it come to find out in all of the careers that I've known, it doesn't matter. Like you yeah. could go. In fact, that's another thing I would tell my younger self is if you, if you have to pay for your own school and you know the career that you want to do, you have to go to school, go to a community college and save yourself some money doing all those lame prerequisite courses because you're going to pay four or five times more at a state school or a private school. And it's the same class. A lot of the professors in those schools are, are interchanging. So they work at a state school. They also work at the community college. So you're getting the same quality education. And you're just paying less for it. Yeah, that's so true. And to go back to your whole thing about the opinions that other people have of you, like, I want to just say, I totally agree with Courtney. And I think the most important thing is the opinion that you have about yourself. So you want to make sure it's a healthy inner dialogue. Mm. Nobody else matters. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's good. So I guess this is like, okay, it is still good to take in feedback, like, because you don't want to be a shitty person who like treats people like shit. Right. So you still want to have morals and you still want to, you know, be a good, genuine person. But if you know that you are a good, genuine person who does good for the world and the people around them, then who cares what other people say about what you look like, how you act, who you are? It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Well, I used to have like, so my experience is like being like a preteen and a teenager. And you know what being in my house was like at that time. So like I had cousins and stuff who were living with us who were much older than me. And like, I'm, you know me because I've like allowed myself to be reborn as like my truest self around like you and my husband, obviously, but I'm very like goofy and funny and like clumsy and whatever. And I like being that way. I think it's fun. I think like a lot of people lose their inner childness because we like take ourselves way too seriously. And that's why we're all miserable. Like be a kid sometimes, even if you're 55, it's fine. And when I was a kid and I was acting that way, the adults around me, that their opinions were like, you're weird, you're goofy. I can't believe like you're so quirky. And like they would just constantly repeat that to me. And certain in the situations where I was just acting my normal like kid self, like my niece does that now. She does what I would say weird stuff, but it's not weird. She's just being like a goofy kid. But we don't we don't like openly like tell her she's being weird. We like encourage her 
to go further with it. You know yeah. what I mean? Like if she feels good doing that stuff. There's no sense in, because what you do when you do that, this is the same conversation we had about the kid when I went out to breakfast and the whole time the dad were at breakfast is yelling at this kid and telling his kid he's being weird. Meanwhile, Lauren, he's like three years old and he's blowing bubbles in his milk. That is like the most baseline three-year-old little boy behavior. If yeah. I was his mom, I'd be sitting next to him laughing, blowing bubbles in my milk. Yeah. Who yeah. cares? He's That's the problem. Kid. Yeah. People really don't have a sense of inner child. Right. So, and trying to make him be an adult way before he's ready. So him shaming him in public, telling him he's weird is basically the same thing that was happening to me, but even at home, which... God only knows how this child, poor child, is treated at home. But I told my husband, I said, this is why I believed that I was a weird, strange, dorky person who was awkward. And I and I internally have felt that awkwardness even into my adult my adultness. And it still comes out sometimes where I feel that way about me, but it's not even true. And so that's why I say be careful with other people pushing their opinions on you, because it will actually convince you that there's something wrong with you sometimes and sometimes there's not I remember you can relate to this I think but I remember as a kid I don't know what it was but I loved playing with Barbies and I played with Barbies oh yeah you know what I honestly thought that we should go buy Barbies when you come here and play with like honestly because (laughs) me and Courtney used to play with Barbies well until like I don't even know, maybe 14. I don't even know. I was like 14 or 15 when we finally were like, "Mm." yeah, I was like, all right, maybe we shouldn't play with Barbies anymore. And I don't know why I just loved playing with Barbies so much. I loved to dress them up in cute clothes. Like the thing is we wouldn't actually play with them. We would dress them up. We would set them up. We would create their houses and then we would be bored with it. But yeah, but we were like elaborate. We'd have like food out on the counter and we'd set up like you had everything too. So we'd like set up like a fake grocery store and a fake house and yeah, fake bedrooms and like we would get like really detailed with it. But then by the time we were done, we'd be like, oh my god, I'm like tired. Yeah, like okay, well that was fun setting it up, but I'm done now. But the the fact that I wanted to say was I used to feel shameful for playing with Barbies at the age that I did because I'm like a teen now and I shouldn't be playing with Barbies kind of like energy, but I just loved like dressing them up. I even had like Barbie video games that I loved playing. And oh, yeah, we used to play that Barbie makeover game all the time. It was so fun. It's just like, I used to just love beauty and fashion and setting things up and creating houses. And I played the Sims for like the longest time. Heck, I still I find that game fun. I would love, I need to download Sims on my computer right now, but I spent way too much time. Do you remember the Barbie detective game as well? Yes, I was literally just thinking about that. I was like, wait, was that Barbie detective game or was that Carmen Sandiego? Yeah, it was like in a carnival and you would follow these footprints and you would go down a slide and you would see a shadow figure. Magnifying glass and that was how like you would search for your clues. It was so fun. They tried to make it like a little bit spooky. Yeah, with the shadow figure. It was so cool. Honestly, I would love to play that again, but... It honestly was kind of spooky. I still get the chills thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, honestly, embrace your inner child and who gives a heck what other people think. Yeah, I definitely need to know that when I was younger, for sure. Another one that I wish I knew, especially in my, I would say around the age of like 17 and early 20s, is 
nothing changes if nothing changes. I'm making you think about that, aren't I? You're like, what's yeah, like, I was like, wait a second. What the- so for example, if you're stuck in a rut and you're repeating the same cycle mm-hmm. and you want something to change, nothing is going to change unless you make a change. Yep. And I feel like in my early 20s, I didn't understand that concept. And I would stay stuck in repeating cycles being like, why is nothing changing? Why is things not working out? What is going wrong? Why do I feel this way? And it's because I wasn't ready to do the work to make a change that was necessary in order to create a change in my life in that cycle. So for example, I'm feeling like crap, but I'm still eating terribly. I'm still drinking wine every night. I'm still, you know, doing things that aren't good for me and expecting different results. And it's like, no, you're not going to get a different result until you make a change. That's something I definitely had to learn. And I wish I knew that when I was younger, because I would have made big changes in my life a lot sooner, I think. Yeah. I mean, it makes, it makes a lot of sense, but when you say it initially, you're like, whoa, what did she just lay on me? Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's, it's, you really have to unpack it. Nothing. It sounds like very simple, but it's like a very profound statement. Like Mm -hmm. nothing changes if nothing changes. And I kind of goes into the fact that that on my t-shirt for the podcast. All right. Hey, do it. And I was also going to say to follow up with that is see people for who they are, right? Because you can't force people to change. So see them for who they are and then ask yourself, am I worthy of putting up with this? Or do I need to, am I seeing this in a situation as their potential of who they could be? Mm -hmm. Am I keeping them around because I see potential in them and I hope that they'll reach that potential? Or like, what is it? Because a lot of us wear like when I was like in my relationship with you know who. Oh yeah, yeah, your ex. I was not able to hear it. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us wear rose-colored glasses, especially when we're young. So we don't see people for who they really are. We see them for the potential of who they could be, and we hope and pray that one day they're going to change one day. They're going to snap out of it and be that potential that we think that they can be. And it just leads to disappointment. So, and I'm not saying people can't change because they can, but ask yourself at what point are you self-sacrificing or hurting yourself waiting for the other person to change or trying to make the change happen and self-sacrificing? Cause that's kind of, kind of where I was Mm -hmm. I would say like my advice to my younger self that you would be speaking to which would be in my 20s um, and it would be about like spousal relationships would be there's like this I was being told this like narrative by my mom that like oh you you need to make it work like you know like relationships are difficult like make it work make it work And it was actually like a really toxic and abusive relationship with someone who wasn't willing to do any of the work and see how they needed to reflect or grow or change and work out their own like addiction problems and everything. And as you know, it became like a dangerous situation for me. And so you don't need to actually stay in a relationship if if you're unhappy in it. It's okay It's like, it's okay in your 20s to not stay in a relationship that's dysfunctional, that's actually not serving you and is actually making you more unhappy. 
because I was being told that narrative. And so I believed it. He was my first big love. And so I thought, oh, I know what I was going to say. So I had all these like wounds around men and relationships and my own self-worth from growing up the way that I did. So I just thought this person cares about me. Let me cling on to this as hard as possible because who else is going to want to be with me? And I didn't know that that was like my thinking pattern at that time. Like I didn't even realize some of these like thinking patterns until like more recently when, you know, like you have been like, you got to unpack all this stuff and thinking about relationships as I've like grown up and that's really dangerous to to think that like oh no one else is gonna want me I have to stay in this relationship because I have to make it work because like no one else is gonna compare to this person but also no one's gonna want me where it's like none of that was healthy and all of it was hurting me and then that person was hurting me too yeah and so I think it's okay and I think it's important that you check in with yourself and your partner and ask yourself like shut off my husband's cell phone that he left you ask yourself you know can I have open and honest communication with my partner or am I like am I afraid to are they not open to it and if those things are happening I would seriously reconsider it because uh especially if it's an unsafe situation yeah Absolutely. And I think when, you know, you struggle with self-worth and you do find a partner, it is so easy to get stuck in that train of thought of feeling like there's not going to be another person out there for you oh, yeah. and that you're not going to be able to find someone. But mm-hmm. there are so many people in this world. And as soon as you recognize your worth, that's when your whole life changes. And I mean, you're proof of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, my husband's not a perfect person, uh, but neither am I. But he's my best friend, mm-hmm. other than other than you. <laughs> um, so it it's it's a different, a very different relationship where I don't I don't derive like I talk about him a lot because I'm proud of him. I don't talk about him a lot because I think I become more valuable with him. If that makes sense. Which yeah, is kind seeing of, yourself like, as valuable without him is so important for the relationship because you need that healthy self-worth in order to make exactly. your relationship healthy. And uh, you know, I was so lost in that first big relationship, mm-hmm. adult type relationship I had. I lost my like entire identity. Whereas now if I don't like something or I don't want to do it or I have something I do want to do and I do that, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Absolutely. So- To go on to the next one, I think for me, what I wish I knew when I was younger was that it's really important to speak up for your needs, what you believe in, to not sugarcoat things because you're afraid of conflict or confrontation, and to essentially know that people cannot read your mind. And you can't just expect people to know what it is you need. You need to also let them know what you need. Mm, Kind of like, I feel like they taught us really well. Like, I feel like it will work so well in regular life, especially if you have someone where like you think where you have multiple interactions where like you think you're saying one thing to them very clearly and then like you have confrontation with them over communication it's closed looped communication which is like tell them something and then be like what did what do you feel like I said and then have them repeat it back to you so like you guys know we're on the same page but it's like 
feel like 90% of that is like a communication. Yeah. And, and nowadays, so many generations have wounds connected to communication. Oh. And I feel like it's just getting worse, especially with social media and technology and all these things. We're so detached when it comes to communicating with people. Like, I saw a poll and it was like 70% of people would rather text than have a phone call. And I was part of that 70%. Yeah, there's like certain people I'll talk to on the phone, but there's like certain people that I don't call because I'm just like, eh. Yeah, like, you're just so detached from human to human interaction and even through the pandemic we even seen that even more where it was like we were basically detached from humans and yeah. we were doing zooms and whatnot but like it's not the same as one in-person interaction or two voice-to-voice interaction when like you're rather than texting is what I mean but that voice to voice and actually speaking and having people hear your tone of voice because things can so easily get misconstrued in text messages and or even just like people's ability to like put their phone down and be have a comfortable yeah or even like be comfortable with people's emotions I'm sure you experience this but I was in the OBGYN office and I was there I've got two insurances I'm supposed to have my IUD taken out and replaced I've called my insurances. I've made sure everything is covered. We're good to go. I'm in the office. I'm waiting for the doctor. I had five different people in that office ask me to clarify my secondary insurance. And then the fifth person finally told me that they're associated with a different hospital group for nurses and they cannot treat me unless I want to pay out of pocket, which is huge money. And that I have to actually get an entirely new doctor at a different place in order to have this actually like swapped out and removed and have it covered on my insurance and I was so anxious about having it done because I remember having it put in which Planned Parenthood doesn't just do abortions I'm sorry that's probably going to make somebody mad but I had it put in I had my birth control put in at Planned Parenthood so yeah they do that so anyway I knew that it hurt because I remember it's been 10 years and I still remember that it hurt it hurt and so I was nervous because this time okay not only are they removing it but they're going to put a new one and the doctor had told me there's like you know complications most frequently with the removal of the one I have and like if it's severe enough you have to go have surgery to get it removed so that freaked me out yeah, that would freak so I'm like in the office crying I'm pissed off that like I've got two insurances and they don't they can't seem to figure out what's going on with my insurance and I'm supposed to have this procedure and I felt like the lady like was very like cold and distant and my husband was like oh I think she did okay like trying to reassure you and I was like I feel like she was just like they're there it's okay and then walked out of the room like I'm like are you not in touch with like your compassion what is is this what COVID did to people yeah no I mean it's interesting because I always have terrible experiences with healthcare. Although I felt very grateful and blessed that the people who did my HSG test were so compassionate with me and caring because otherwise I think that's when I really would have, you know, said screw it to healthcare (laughs) altogether because I've all the experiences I've had that just pissed me off. But yeah, I totally understand. And you would think, especially in healthcare, especially dealing with, you know, sensitive things like that. I feel like more compassion is needed and in general as a whole in society, compassion is needed. And I felt like they were treating me like I was kind of dumb. 
Mm. I was just like, I'm a critical care nurse. Like, I understand taking care of the patient. What are you guys doing? Like, what is happening? And then ultimately, when they finally told me that they couldn't do anything unless we wanted to pay a huge bill, I was so mad. I looked at the lady and I was like, so basically, you're telling me I have to go find a whole new doctor. And I just I just left. I let Trevor get the rest of the information from them because I was like, I can't deal with this. I don't blame you. No, I would have felt very frustrated too, especially when at that point you're just ready to get this horrible procedure done and over with. And now you have to delay it even more and go through that again. Very frustrating. And I'm so sorry that happened. That's just not okay. Women's health care. No one gives a shit. It's sad about women anymore. It's sad. It's sad. But- all I could think about was like, and they want more women to have babies in Texas, but you can barely get an appointment or get anyone on the phone for my OBGYN office. And the new one that I called, we called uh, to make an appointment and they never called us back. So I have to like show up in person and be like, what's the deal? That's been my experience with like um, where I go for like talking about IVF and stuff they send you to a voicemail every single time and then they never get back what if I'm just giving birth right now right like answering the phone I don't get why they don't answer the phone it's the weirdest thing oh but yeah we could rant about how frustrated we are with that for like ever because it's frustrating but all that to say yeah people can't read our minds we have to remember to like vocalize how we're feeling and our emotions and just learning how to communicate with people more and not being afraid to communicate with people because there's been so many times where I was like stuck in people pleasing tendencies where I would not voice how I felt about certain situations because I did not want to deal with conflict but every relationship in my opinion healthy relationships have conflict Hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're having like let's throw dishes against the wall scream at each other that's dysfunctional healthy conflict, discussing what your needs are and how you're feeling and being able to have calm discussions with the other person without taking it as a personal attack or without putting all the blame on the other person. Like there's, we've had many conversations about this on the podcast where we've talked about health communication with people, how to do it. Listen to some of our previous episodes. I'm sure that you'll find some info in there, but essentially, yeah. I really wish that I knew that when I was younger because I did not speak up far too many times. I feel like that's like a major theme too. I mean, the caveat with a lot of these too is I think like a lot of the advice, advices, <laughs> making up words, <laughs> like things that we would give nuggets of, of knowledge to our younger selves about are things that I think we had to grow into knowing because we had so many different types of like trauma or even like abuse or experiences even like because not everything is that traumatic but that just molded us into not being able to reach these points until a later point in life so I would say to like like if you're older and you have reached some of these conclusions, definitely share this episode, I think, with some younger people in your life. So it, it might actually like open their eyes and give them a little bit of like a, a like a light bulb before they have to learn these things on their own in a hard way. Yeah. And so before we end the episode, I think I have two last points I wanted to make. And one is that it's really important to look at failure in a different light because I used to look at failure as, you know, something bad 
But in reality, I've learned that it's it's actually a stepping stone. To really? success. You can't you can't have success without failure because you learn what is not meant for you through failing. There's also like a ton of like really successful people who are like, I don't even acknowledge the concept of failure. I just acknowledge the concept of learning. And so like all that that was, wasn't a failure. It was like a learning experience. And then I just readjust it. And I think that there's something really powerful in that. Cause I feel like we're conditioned to believe like if something doesn't work out the way that you had it planned or the way that like societally it's supposed to go or whatever, like that you're a failure, it's a failure and all these like negative emotions surrounding like the actual experience or yourself like flood in and that's not true yeah and I mean we have this concept that failure is a bad thing so when people say you failed automatically our emotions go negative but in reality we're humans who are giving the word failure this meaning and I'm just, sometimes that's my philosophical mind. I'm like, all these things, these words have meaning to it, but like, why? Why does failure have to be a bad oh, thing? Why does it have to be a A lot of words that are being created by our society nowadays too. Yeah, it's just, it, it blows my mind sometimes. I'm like, I don't understand this concept, but yeah, I try, I don't look at it as like a bad thing. I look at it as like a learning experience for sure. Having that growth mindset and remembering that duality exists. So just Ooh. as you can't have light without dark, you can't we have failure without success. What'd you say? I'm sorry. I said, I love when you say duality. I said, Ooh, say it again. <laughs> duality. Ooh, it's so sexy. <laughs> Whenever you try to talk to your husband, just go in his ear and go, duality that's so funny I'm sorry I don't know why it was but yeah but it's so true you can't have up without down so you you're gonna go through difficult moments in life but because duality exists that means you're also going to go through really amazing moments as well and not all bad moments are gonna last forever and it's hard in those moments for sure I have been learning when you're in the shit Yeah, like I have been learning a huge lesson in my life right now. And gosh, it feels like it's never going to end. But I'm still holding on to that hope and faith that there is going to be this ending to this difficult chapter because duality exists. And whatever the ending is, I'll take it. But and that also goes what? Go ahead. I was going to say and that also kind of goes to the last point that I wanted to make was which was um, you are not behind. The timing is always perfect. <laughs> that goes, I had one that said, don't have to have it all done or figured out. Yes. See, so that's a great one to end the episode on because. Oh, actually, I was going to end on one. I have one other one. That oh, I yeah, go for it. I forgot, which was going to be about rest. Mm. rest. Learn now that you don't. I, for a very long time, believed that in all areas of my life, at all times, I had to be excelling, progressing, and growing. And that is emotionally and physically exhausting. Mm-hmm. So as much as you should be growing, it's okay to take a break. I'm not saying be completely stagnant, but I'm saying like genuinely rest from whatever whatever is going on in your life and know that your rest 
does not need to be earned. You just deserve it because you're a person yeah. and that your rest, everyone's rest looks different and don't feel guilty if you need to rest because a lot of our society stigma is like, oh, if you're resting, someone else is, is doing what you want to do. Don't let that fear-based mentality ruin. Because uh, that then goes ahead to say like, Again, your timing is perfect. You have time to rest. Whether you believe so or not, many of us will convince ourselves that we do not have the time to rest, but it's really all about prioritizing and time management. And I know that's hard because everybody's situations are different, but it's just really important to remember and to not get discouraged if you know somebody else is progressing in their life in this certain area that you want to progress in. Because it doesn't mean that you'll never get there. It just means right now, that's not your timing. And that's okay. I agree with everything you said. Time's like 10 million. Yes. And sometimes it's okay to just live in the present moment instead of setting a new goal. Yeah, I think that that's like, it's emotionally exhausting to always be like, oh, I need to be better. And I need to be here. And I need to do this. And I have to help so-and-so. And it's like, I'm relearning this for myself by literally telling it to my husband. And I'm like, you're you don't always have to be available socially to everyone all the time you don't have to do everything that you feel like you have on your plate right now as soon as it's due like if you're tired then go and rest or take a day of doing you know get like one or two things done if you really can't if you really can't rest comfortably go do one or two things and then come home and just be still yeah because collectively that is something that I think many of us no longer really know how to do which is just live in the present moment because everything around us conditions us to keep pushing to work harder to do this have a side hustle yeah it's hustle culture it's it's survival mode it's social media And people in power and people who, you know, corporations, all that, we're basically working for them. And they really know how to push stuff at us to make us kind of stuck in that framework, which I'm really excited to watch some of the episodes that I have enjoyed on Gaia with you. Oh, yeah. All of them are very eye-opening. I feel like I've heard Kelsey talk about Gaia before. Yeah. It's a website, but like the word means something in like yoga culture. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it, does. Sure it means I like think. it's like Mother Earth or something. I'm a bad person and don't remember. Yeah, it means Earth. Mm. I think there's like a Gaia pose or something. Please don't hurt me if I get that wrong. Any of the listeners, <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. I just remember hearing it it's from someone else other than just Lauren. Yeah, yeah, it's a Greek word. That's all I know. Greek word that means goddess of earth and mother of all creation. Mm-hmm. And it's also an app website that you can watch really cool videos on. And like they have holistic videos. They have a lot of metaphysical. They have a lot of spirituality. Although we're not sponsored. We just like it. No, I know. Yeah, it's not sponsored. Although I wish it was. That'd be cool. But <laughs> maybe just one day. things we like. But yeah, so guys, we're so happy to be back. Now, Courtney does leave me again next week. This time it's her turn to go. So I'm going to try to get some episodes out, solo episodes out for you guys. Maybe some astrology ones, or I don't know. I'll figure something out. But we but then we're then, together. 
Yeah, we'll have one more episode. Or dragging her big booty down, not that it's big, but dragging her booty down all the way to Texas to see me. Um, and we will have just shy of two beautiful weeks. So we should be able to record a few times because I have an office slash what I call Lauren's room set up. So we should be able to record in person together, which will be fun. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. So lots to look forward to. And we are happy to be back. And we really do appreciate all of you who came back and listened after our little hiatus. It means the world. Your support means the world. The reviews, the shares, the comments, all of that. It really helps us succeed up in here. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And until next time, guys. Thank you.